right, bring it back, bring it back. Reel it in, reel it in. Thank you. All right, well, I have to tell you, I am super, super excited about the message this morning. Uh, it, I mean, I didn't even know that we kind of rolled into a series here these last few weeks. Um, I believe it was a culmination of what's going to happen today. And I'm even more encouraged. I mean, sure, it would have been beautiful to have the house packed out, but God's got just the right people here that he wanted here for today. And I don't know, when we were um, worshiping at the end, I kept hearing this same word. I, I didn't know if it was just for me, if I was supposed to share it or not, but I'm going to share it because, you know, God can do what he wants to do. But I kept hearing the same thing, um, God saying, I've got my eye on you. And there's something inside, whether it's deep in your mind, deep in your heart, wherever, that's been there for a long time, something that's holding tight, and he wanted me to share that he's got his eye on you. And he was speaking specifically to that. I saw a dark spot, and I saw something in there that was just all I could see is that it had its grip on you. And he was speaking to that thing within you. I've got my eye on you, and today he's going to point at that thing. So people are going to be set free today, healing's going to take place today, miracles are going to confirm the word today, I'm excited more than normal. Turn with me in your Bible to Ezekiel chapter 37. Today's message will be a little different than normal. Um, I want to explain just how we need to be revived and then we'll have an extended time of worship at the end, and I'll explain more about that later. But two weeks ago, I shared a message with you called Restored the Freedom to Be. I explained that God had an original design for your life, but through life's choices, we've become marred, tarnished, or even cracked. But God is the master restorer. By surrendering to him, he will restore us to that original design and then give us the freedom to be all he created us to be. The Bible says that every day of your life was written down in his books before you were created. Restored, the freedom to be. Last week I shared a message called Renewed, Mind Over Matter. We discovered the power that the mind has over our will and ultimately over our actions and what we can do to filter out our thoughts, those negative thoughts that keep us teared down, you know, just broken and thinking wrong. Let's just say it. But we are not helpless victims of our thoughts. As Christians, we've been given the mind of Christ and what we think is is what we will do. It is what we will do, and it is who we will become. What we think, and it is simply mind 
over matter. And whose mind? Christ's mind. You have been given the mind of Christ. And when preparing for today's message, God gave me a picture of the church today, and it comes from the scripture in Ezekiel chapter 37. I heard very clearly, and I wrote it down in my journal, that the church has become a valley of dry bones. They're right where they're supposed to be, both in the church and in their vocational positions. They're right where they're supposed to be, but they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're doing life without life. They're dry bones. They need the breath of God breathed in them to revive them and empower them to go and do all they are commissioned to do. So the, the title of today's message is called Revived, Empowered to Go. And this word was confirmed in our prayer meeting before service. Sharish uh, shared that it, shared, Sharish shared that all week God's been speaking the same thing to her the valley of dry bones, and that he wants to breathe his breath of life. And so when I started sharing that I believe this is where we're going today in the message, you know, she confirmed it with what she said. Amy confirmed it over the songs that she was singing today. And I tried to warn her and prepare her. I sent her a text and said, this is what I'm going to be preaching on. This is what we're going to do. Well, I didn't know that Summer has her phone in Washington, D.C., and Lost in translation was she just called her mom, hey, Pastor Brenda just wants you to play after service. And Amy's like, yeah, I do that all the time. Teenage translation. Anyway, but God knows what he needs to do. So let's look at this scripture together. In Ezekiel chapter 37, we're going to start with, see, here I am. We're going to start here. At verse 1, just tape it to my, no. Starting in verse 1, the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. Bones that were very dry. And he, God, asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I said, O oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared to them, on them, and skin covered them. 
but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Verse 11, then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Oh, my people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. Look at this again. Verse 4. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say, you will, you will come to life. There's no if, there's no may. When God says it will happen, it will happen. When he said prophesy to these bones, there was nothing more Ezekiel had to do. He just had to, okay, I'll do what you say. But we want to sit down and go, okay, now why would he say that? And maybe he wants me to say it more like this. Or maybe I should wait until somebody else says it. I mean, I, have you ever sat there and heard the word of the Lord where you really feel like this is the word of the Lord and you're like, God, use somebody else. I must have tuned into somebody else's frequency. Because, God, you wouldn't be asking me to do this. But really, really. I mean, remember when the, uh, the disciples were walking along and... I think it was Peter and John. And they said, what do you want? And he's like, you know, he'll stand up in the name of Jesus. And then everybody's like, oh, he goes, what are you looking at? Do you really think it was my goodness that healed this man? Do you really think it was my power that did this? No, I'm simply doing what I'm commanded to do. That's it. Ezekiel said, okay, he, you know, are these bones going to live? I don't know, God, you know. He said, then do this. Okay, I'll just do this. Prophesy to the bones and say, you will live. Then he goes on. Let's pick up here, verse 5. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you. Where have you heard that before? The first man. How did he stand up? The breath of God breathed into him, and he stood. He said, I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I'll attach tendons on you. I will make flesh come upon you. I'll cover you with skins. Then I will put breath in you. Then you will come to life. 
You keep reading, the tendons came on, the skin came on, but they're all still laying there in the valley, in the floor of the valley, it says, until he breathed into them. Then they stood up. <laughs> like, uh, where's that at? Verse 7, so I prophesied as I was commanded. See, he's taking no credit for this. We hear there's no, you just, trust me. Trust me. No man, no woman, no one can take this glory. No one can take God's credit. No one's good enough. No one can be good enough. And if they think they are, stand away from them. I, li I like it. Some of the old-time evangelists, you know, that were in the healing. I mean, was a William Seymour used to hide behind the, he's like, don't even look at me. Don't even, don't look. Stop, stop looking at me. It's not me. And he hid. It, actually, it was, it was those wooden crates that they made a, you know, a little, uh, whatever this thing is called. But, thank you. Pulpit. Good answer. Good answer. He used to hide behind there. Didn't he put a bag over his head at one time? He couldn't find anywhere to hide, so he's like, give me your... I could just see him grabbing a woman's purse. <laughs> don't look at me. Really, that's the fear that we should have. I don't want to take any credit for this. God, is not... Get out of here. I battle with praying for people because I don't want people to say thank you for praying for me. It's like, no, I don't even... Don't even oh. You know? I don't want nothing. It's not me. It's God, just do it. I always pray that. God, just do it without anybody praying for anybody. Just do it, Lord. Just do it. That's what we're going to believe for today. God's just going to do it. But right there in verse 7, here it is. I don't even know where I was going with it. Anyway, verse 7, so I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone. And I heard this as I was preparing this message, that we, the church, are dry bones, but we can make a lot of noise, can't we? We can rattle our bones together. But there's no life. He wants us to do life with life. His life. There's more. I think that was part of the prophecy one person spoke out. There's more. There is so much more. But we've settled for just rattling our bones together. Yay, making a little noise. There's so much more. Then he said in verse 9 and 10, second, prophesy to the breath. Tell the breath. The breath of God will come into you today and bring life to your dry bones. Then you will stand up as a vast army. And he said, then you will know that I am God. Then he goes on in verse 14, and I will put my Holy Spirit in you. And he will empower you to go and do what you are commanded to do. He said, I will settle you in your land. I will establish you. 
I really believe that's a word for right here, right now. Establish you. We are going to be established right here as the lighthouse that's been prophesied for years and years and years. As a pillar in this community, these communities, and actually it will be seen around the world. We really believe that people will fly in from the four corners to find hope, find restoration, find healing, not because of you, not because of me. Remember, it's nothing we can take credit for at all. We're simply doing what God is commanding us to do. And we're going to stand up. We're going to receive that breath, breathe into these dry bones. We are going to live. We are going to be established. We are going to be empowered. All right, three points in a prayer. Isn't that how it always comes down? Three points in a prayer. Let's go through these real quickly, and then we're going to open up again. Worship. And we will see God confirm his word today. I just believe it. Uh, three points. First one, revived. Revived. You will not have revival until you encounter Christ and not just experience him. There is a huge difference. See, I can know about somebody. I've heard a lot of things about Tammy. I can actually tell other people a whole lot of things about Tammy. But that doesn't mean I know Tammy. Until I've spent time with her, personally sat down with her, sipped a lot of coffees, slugged a few iced coffees, heard some really intimate personal attributes about her, her likes, her dislikes, you know, her dreams, her passions, can I then say I've encountered her, that I know her. Jesus is the same way. A lot of people hung around Jesus when he walked this earth. But only a few knew him. Only a few encountered him. Jesus knew Judas. Judas knew Jesus. But he was just there. He didn't encounter him. As a matter of fact, Jesus says in Matthew 7, Now everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons. And in your name perform many miracles. And I will plainly say to them, I never knew you away from me, you evil doers. See, a lot of people can use the name of Jesus. A lot of people say, I'm a Christian. Hey, I go to church. Well, just because you park your butt in the seat once a week doesn't mean you're a Christian means a little Christ. So that actually means whatever Jesus does, you'll do. Whatever Jesus tells you to do, you'll do. You're a little Christ. You're an exact, exact replication. Replicate, replicate, replicate. That's good enough? Not good enough. 
representation. Ha, ah, there it is. Representation of Christ. So it's, no, I'm not even going to go there. Anyway. But they can say, I know Christ, I know Christ. And he's going to say, on that day, people are going to say to me, hey, I know you. He's going to say, well, I didn't know you. Encounter means, I mean, just think if, I mean, using Tammy again for an illustration, usually I don't if she's here, only when she's not here. If I sit down with Tammy every day even, every day, faithful every day at the same time, the same hour, even two hours, but all I do is flap my lips, share my woes, share my pains, you know, share my needs, and walk away, I have not gotten to know Tammy. I can even know that she's got an account at such and such bank that she's given me a debit card for, and I can even use her name to make some withdrawals. But when all I do is pour out what I need, what I want, and hear list this and list that, even if I do it every day, I still don't know her. And she can go to that bank at any time and say, oh, look at all these withdrawals Brenda's making. You know what? Go ahead and cross her name off my list. I don't know her. Jesus said in that day, you're going to come to me and he's going to say, I'm sorry, I never knew you. So difference between experiencing God and encountering God. There's a personal connection that God longs to have with each one of us. And it can only come in that deep communication that, that cries out to him, I want to know your heart, and shuts their mouth long enough to hear it. And spends time, God, I want to feel your heart. I want to know your heart. I want to please you. I want to put a smile on your face. Tell me what to do, and I'm just going to go do it. And then shuts their mouth long enough to hear it. And then go do it. Too many Christians are living off second-hand Christians. Kind of like those fish. And I actually, there's a name for them. They're called remora, remora fish. They're the fish that attach themselves on those sharks and whales and other, you know, I think even sea turtles and stuff. They attach on them. And they're even called, what did the suckers of the sea. National Geographic called them suckers of the sea. Because they don't go out and do life on their own. They attach themselves to somebody else and say, we'll just live here and suck up you. Too many Christians are living like that. They think that's enough because I just experience, well, whatever sister so-and-so is getting, I'll just suck off her. Or whatever my wife's getting or whatever my husband's getting, I'll just uh, hold on. What's that called in the old days? Holding on to their apron strings. I'll get into heaven. God's going to say, hmm. I'm sorry, do I know you? Do you know that Jesus did not heal everyone? But he did heal all that came to him. There was a whole lot more sick people in the world. There was a whole lot more tormented by evil spirits in the world but he only healed those who came to him. 
There is a huge difference between this front of this altar and your seat where you're sitting. See, I'll just sit here and I'll just experience what's going on. God, if you want to touch me, you got to come to my seat on my time, my turf. Oh, that says today's message from bed. Oh, that's, that's nice. That's nice. You know what? The air's okay. It's not too hot, not too cold right now. It's okay. I'll be all right for another week and I'll leave. That's just experience it. Or worse yet, you're a sucker of the seat. And you think you're going to get something from God by just experiencing it. That's not what he died for you to have. There is an encounter awaiting you, but you have to come to him. And I mean, I used to be that way, and I'm like, if God's so big, then he can come right here and touch me in my seat. That's just pride. That is stupid pride. And how dare we say to God, if you, you know, if you want to save me, come to my seat and do it. Could you imagine if your child said that to you? Could you just come here and spoon feed me? That's okay when they're two months old or three months old, but when they're 30-some years old still living in your basement, it's like, get up, get a job, feed yourself, you know? Suckers of the sea. You have to get close enough. I mean, we're talking about God breathing life into you. Mouth to mouth. Don't think that. Get your mind. Take those thoughts captive. But face to face, breathing like it's got to be close enough. So, yeah, you might have to get out of your seat and come to the front. Get close. Get close. Breathe. Breathe on you. In John 20, starting at verse 19, says, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw it was the Lord, for he had just died. Now he's resurrected. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am now sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. As the Father sent me, now I'm sending you. And he knew it was going to take the breath of God. Receive that Holy Spirit in us to empower us, to revive us, to not just be those rattling bones, those dry bones, but to go out, to stand up and be that vast army. Number two, empowered. The first was revived. The second, empowered. You have been given all you need to do all God is calling you to do. I say this all the time. I use this scripture all the time. Everything you need. To do what you're called to do has already been given to you. The same analogy, the debit card, Tammy's debit card, which she'll be handing out at the end of service. Um, 
has already got your name on it. All the resources of heaven are already yours. When you give your life to God, he stamps his Holy Spirit stamp upon you. He writes your name down in his book, which means you are now a joint heir with Christ. Everything you believe Jesus has, you have. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth and in earth. Now go. I'll be with you. Everything. His divine power. God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. That's in 2 Peter 1.3. We have received all of this by coming to know him, not just experience, but encountering him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. We must live from heaven's resources. I've shared this story before when I went to district council. The speaker was explaining how he went, he had this, his vehicle, whatever, five, six years. He's ready for a new vehicle. He paid that one off. He is ready. He had cash, saved up cash to buy a truck, you know. So, anyway, um, so excited, want to get a new vehicle. He says, I, he was so excited, so pumped that he was going to be able to go in there, pick the one out he wanted put down the money and walk out. He said, I wanted to see if I could do it all in less than an hour. You don't have to, you just whatever. So he went in there, he said, he sat down, picked out the one he wanted, you know, signed the check, gave him the check. They tossed him the keys. He started out the door and they said, hey, the salesman said, hey, um, do you want me to explain how to use that key fob to you? He says, I'm a man. I'm a mature man. I know how to use a key fob. He goes, oh, okay, I just didn't know if you knew how to use the um, remote key starter on there. Said he, his pride said, I'm not going to ask questions. He said, but then I looked at the key fob and thought, I wonder how you do start that thing. So the salesman walked over, and he goes, well, right there, you just hit this button twice and then this button, and it starts your vehicle. He goes, can I have back the keys on my other vehicle? And he took the key fob from his other vehicle and he looked at it. He goes, you know, I've always wondered what those were. For six years, I've had a remote car starter on my key fob. He goes, you know, over and over again through the last five, six years, I've even said I'm going to go get a remote car starter on my vehicle. And all this time I had it already and I never knew it. All the time, we have all of heaven's resources, but we live like pulpers. We pray, oh God, I wish, I wish, I hope, I hope, I wish, I wish, I hope, I hope. And he says, you already have. I mean, think about the, the story of the prodigal son. We, boy, we want it. We quote that one a lot when we're calling home, you know, our, our prodigals, our sons, our daughters, and you know, our relatives that have walked away from the Lord. We, we love that story because they come back. The father's waiting. But there's more to that story. The older son never left home. The older son, the one that stayed in church, kept working, doing all the right things. Remember, he got upset at the end of this story. 
When they threw a big party for the younger brother who finally came home, oh great, he blew all your money, Dad, and now you're going to throw a party for him? Remember when the dad went out there and said, Son, what are you doing? You know, come on in. Your, your younger son or your younger brother's home and we're partying. He's, he's back again. He's like, Where's my party, Dad? I've been here working like a slave all these years. I never did anything wrong. Where's my party? He said, why did I have to throw you a party? All this is already yours. In that custom, the older son got the majority. So everything there was already his. He said, you want a party? Why didn't you throw yourself a party? Those go, they're yours. You could have had them whenever you wanted to, but he kept working the land like a slave. We're the older son. We've already been given all of heaven's resources, but we just want to keep our head down, not get in trouble, and just work the land like a slave. And God says, raise up your head. Here it is. All this is yours. Do what I commanded you to do, but, you know, hello. Live from my resources. Empowered. We need to become empowered. Remember last week I talked about changing your mindset. That you're not a pauper. <laughs> you're a willing slave. You're a willing slave. But you're not a bought into get to work, you know, taskmaster driven slave. You're a joint heir with Christ. You need to change your mindset. You have been given the mind of Christ. I was out riding last night. And there is no place closer to heaven than on a motorcycle. <laughs> I mean, it's just, that's it. So and I was riding last night, had my praise music on, and I turned it down. And I just started speaking out loud. I wear a bandana. I pull a bandana because that way I can talk out loud and nobody's like, what is that crazy person doing? I did forget that because I do troll through towns, you know, when you go through the city because if you got, you know, hard, you know, you kick back and you go slow and you rattle your pipes and nod your head a lot. You want everybody to know that you're there. Anyway. I forgot that even when I have my headphones in and I'm singing nice and loud, it goes over those pipes even. <laughs> so I do, I do make an adjustment when I come into towns. I sing a little bit lower. But, I, I mean, 55 miles an hour, I was cruising. I won't say flying down. I was going 55. I wasn't speeding. But I just felt the overwhelming urge to just start speaking out loud, God, I am your favorite child. I am your most beloved child. I am your favorite. I am wearing a coat of many colors favorite. I am your favorite. I am the apple of your eye. And I kept hearing this annoying like net in my ear. Oh, isn't that prideful? But then this, from the depths of my heart, I just felt like God just smiling saying, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. We need to start speaking out who we really are. The Bible says we are the apple of his eye. We are 
the most beloved, his most beloved. So we are empowered. We have been revived. We are empowered. And number three, so we must go and do. Faith, listen, faith has deeds. Now, I'm not talking about you earn your way into heaven by doing. That's completely the opposite, and that's not what we believe. You don't earn your way into heaven. Jesus died for you to have salvation. But he said, if you love me, you'll go and do what I've commanded. If we only take in and 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 take in, we get a little fat. I mean, you ever, you know, hello, you don't have to do anything to wake up, Jacob. Woo, right here, buddy. Oh, he said, oh, we even gave you a coffee. I caught you on that one. He was. He was going out. Set up. Go steal your dad's snacks. He's probably still got more back there. But if all we do is eat, 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 we just get fat. Same thing, Christians, if they're always just coming in and feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me, you'll get fat. And I came across this picture that Karina's going to put up. Yeah, oh, Lord, what is it? Oh, no, it's not you, Carrie. It wasn't a picture of you. That is one fat sheep. Actually, this is Shrek, the sheep. His name is called Shrek. He became famous several years ago when he was found after hiding out in caves for six years. Of course... During this time, his fleece grew without anyone there to shave it. When he was finally found and shaved, his fleece weighed an amazing 60 pounds. Most sheep have a fleece weighing under 10 pounds. Poor little ankles on that. He's got cankles going on right there. Look at that. For six years, Shrek carried six times the regular weight he was created to carry simply because he ran from the flock he didn't submit to the shepherd and he never gave out what he was created to give we got too many fat sheep in the flock. It's time to stop running from the flock. It's time to submit to the shepherd and let him shave off what doesn't belong there. You're carrying around a burden that you don't need to carry any longer. We were created to go and do, not eat, 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 eat. If we just take in, eat, feed on God, and never get up, give out, we become fat and, might as well say it, because the Bible calls it that, useless. James 2.17 says, faith by itself isn't enough. 
unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Last week, I shared a quote from John Maxwell. He said, in 20 of the most primary languages, the word for belief is the same word for do. It's only as people become more sophisticated that they begin to separate the meaning of the two. I mean, come on, you see that in church, don't you? Where people can say, yeah, I believe that, yeah, I believe that. Then why aren't you doing that? You can't say you believe it if you don't do it. That doesn't make sense. Come on, we're, we're confusing the world. They're looking in saying, what does the church have that I don't have? Yeah, nothing. You're living just like I am. You're doing the same things I am. I can believe it too. It's not until we believe and start doing It's not until we start doing what we believe that they can say, hey, you've got something different. In Acts 7, Stephen condemned the religious leaders because even though they had the law of God in their hands, they didn't obey it. These were the religious leaders. In Hebrews 4.2, for we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. It's not even the same faith. You can't say you believe and not do. They did not combine their faith with actions. Verse 6. They did not enter in because of their disobedience. Just knowing God, just reciting the sinner's prayer is not enough. Like I said earlier, you, Jesus said you can't say you love me if you don't do what I command. Even in the Great Commission, remember, he told us to go out and make disciples, teaching them what? To obey everything I have commanded. Not just preach. Don't just preach the word. Teach them to obey. That's how we make disciples. That aren't just rattling bones, dry bones together. But they have the breath of God in them. And they're living life to the fullest. I'm skipping, I'm skipping, I'm noticing what time it is. And I was saying that we were going to finish early. John 8, 31 and 32. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, who believed in him. He said to the people who already believed in him. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. See, people want to hold on to that. I'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. But they want to skip over that I'm going to obey what he's commanded. See, I can believe I'll skip over obeying and I'm going to hold on to the truth and the truth's going to set me free. And then you wonder why you're not free. There's a big gap here. We want to grab onto all the promises that look good. But there's always 
something in the middle there. Right? Isn't I mean, come on. If we're good parents, that's what we do to our own kids. Yes, you can have that nice cupcake. But you're going to eat your dinner first. Right? I mean, let's hope there's none parents like this. But you're not going to set aside the dinner and say cupcakes every day for you. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. No. There's some meat to what you have to do before you get the dessert. You want the truth that sets you free and it will set you free? Then he said, you better do what I commanded you to do. Then you'll have the truth. Then you'll know the truth. Then the truth will set you free. There will be freedom today. There will be people set free today. Not because of Pastor Neil touching them or me touching them or the prayer team praying for them. No, because you're finally going to get it. Ding, 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 ding. All these lights are going off in your little brain. You're like, yeah, I understand. Believe and do. Breath of God, breathe in these dry bones that are rattling together, and I'm going to go and do what I'm commanded to do. Then I'll know the truth, and the truth will set me free. So here's the application. Revived, come to Jesus, encounter his presence. Allow him to breathe life into your dry bones. And then when the Holy Spirit comes on you, which he will come on you today, we're believing and praying. You will be empowered to be his witnesses everywhere you go. And you will go. You won't just come in here and be the rattling bones, dry bones every week, and I'll just experience. I'll just experience. I'll just take in, take in. But once you encounter Christ, Get the breath of God in you. The Holy Spirit breathed upon you. You will be empowered, and you can't help it, but you will go. And you'll do. Faith and deeds must go together. So, Amy, if you can come back up. I want to open up the altars. This is it. This is what we've been fasting and praying for. This is your day. This is your moment. And like I said, not because Amy will play or sing the right song, not because the lights will be just right, not because of anything else, but simply because you need to come up and you need to surrender. You need to open up. You need to ask God, breathe on me. Breathe on me. Receive the Holy Spirit. So let me just get you to stand up. Stand up, close your eyes, and just focus on God right now. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ yet, or maybe you did at one time, but you've walked away like I talked about the prodigal son you kind of just went off and did life on your own and you realize somewhere through this message or maybe even the worship that today's your day to come back home always an open open welcome for you 
I can just picture God like on the edge of his throne saying, yep, yep, right now, right now. I'm waiting for you right now. And all you have to do is say, I'm home. God, forgive me for doing life on my own. I surrender everything I am to you right now. The sacrifice that he made, God made in sending his son Jesus to die on the cross was in your place, was in my place. It washes, it forgives every sin. There's nothing too big, there's nothing too small that cannot be covered, that is not covered under that blood. All you have to do is say, I accept that forgiveness. And God, I want to receive all you have for me today. Restore me to that original design that you created me to be. And I give you all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I'll serve you. I love you. Breathe on me. Life. Life. Well, God, I've done my best to preach your word, to preach your truth. And your word says that when I do that, that you'll confirm your word with miracles, signs, and wonders. Not because of anything anyone is or thinks they are or that I've done right this week or or I'm good enough. It has nothing to do with that. But God, you said in your word that you want to confirm your word when it's preached so that all will know that you are God. You are who you said you are. You said these signs will follow those who believe. And so I've done my best, God, to preach your word. And so now in these last few moments or or hours, whatever you do, whatever you desire, God, we just surrender to you. We open up right now. We don't want to just experience you any longer. God, we want to encounter you today. We want to encounter you today. So wherever you are in your seats, if you want to get out of your seats, come up to the altar. If you want to get on your face, if you want to snot and ball, or if you want to stand up and jump and shout and dance, whatever. It's between you and God. Encounter. Find Him. Encounter Him. Jesus healed all who came to Him. be a time and I'm going to wait for that I believe God's going to tell me to prophesy to these dry bones we're just going to seek God for a little while first encounter him encounter him encounter him